We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Hi and welcome to Wine with Megan Mount. We are here to help beginners navigate the world of wine. I'm Mel Gilchrist. I've done wine writing, I've been a wine ambassador, managed to sell a door and, well, I say for sparkling, pretty much any chance I can get. But the real star of the show here is Meg Rotman, MW, and that means master of wine. Or according to my husband, master wanker, <laughs> or my wife, none of which are true. <laughs> it's funny that you say master wanker because when you first started, I seriously thought I was I was expecting this like pretentious uppity master of wine. Um, I'm surprised at how down to earth you are. Yeah, I think I was very nervous because a lot of MWs are very stuffy and I think I want to be the exact opposite of that. Mm. I mean, I love wine and I just like spreading the news about it in a relaxed kind of way. Yeah. Oh, well, you definitely do that well. So we're so lucky um, to have Meg on this podcast. Meg, I feel like I learned something new about you every day. You've got such an interesting background. Do you want to run us through it? So, yeah, I started winemaking in the Yarra Valley and then like everyone else in the 90s, you basically were, when you graduated, you got a pair of Blunstons and a (laughs) ticket and passport to go overseas. Um, I just happened to stay. So I spent 14 years living and working overseas, six in Europe, working in the glamorous, beautiful countries of France, Italy, Uh Spain, but also working in emerging regions, Romania, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Slovenia, Slovakia. It was great fun. And then lived in Chile for eight years. Wow. So, yeah, it's been a good experience. Now back in Australia, loving it, and in the Yarra Valley. (laughs) Well, um, you definitely – I mean, I think I heard you say once that you've lived or made wine in more countries than you can count on your hands. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I don't even remember. And, I mean, if you count regions as well within France, you know, we were in the Loire, Cahors, Bordeaux, the Gers, Burgundy – Alsace. Okay, this is so torture. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been good. And the beauty about it is, is you you learn something from all of those regions. Yeah, you know, just like you learn not how not to make wine, but how to make wine in not always great circumstances, particularly in the Eastern European countries. Yeah, of course. All right, so Meg, you've got this thing called a master of wine, which I think it's the coolest sounding title of anyone I know. You sound like a total superhero. What does what's it all about? So the master of wine as a trade qualification started in the UK in the nineteen fifties to bring people up to speed on you know foreign wine as they thought of it but it's developed to become an international qualification it requires you to have an understanding of winemaking viticulture business marketing also to be able to write in a sort of journalistic way but the thing that gets most people is the tasting part of the exam which is 36 wines blind um 12 whites 12 reds and then a mixed bag and you have to be able to identify them down to in the case of burgundy the village that they're from wait so there's 36 wines you get given you have to just taste them and they could be from literally anywhere they could be do you you have to say age and stuff as well yeah so they'll be grouped together as i'll say these four wines are made from the same grape variety state what the grape variety is discuss the winemaking of each wine what region are they from down to village in the case of you know classic regions so yeah you never taste as well as you do 
the year or the week before you do the exam. That's I couldn't do it now. insane. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. So obviously a super impressive thing. So you're the first female in Australia to get this. And I think to this day there's only like 400 or something Master of Wines Yeah, I think we're just top 400 in the world. And I think in Australia now there's probably five or six of us. Jeez. That's it. So, and they've been spread out over, I mean, I got mine in 2002 and yep. we're now almost 2022. So in 20 years, we haven't really oh my got gosh. that many. Wow. Well, um, look, I guess it's fair to say we've got a serious pro in our hands here. So any questions that you have about wine? Look, we started this because it's for people in the trade, basically, when we first started going. Um, and then now that we've even been talking about it a bit more, just general people as well. It, it's people in the trade and it's just your average Joe who just feels a bit intimidated about wine. We're here to just kind of make it a bit easier to navigate, give you a bit of confidence, a bit of information uh, so that you feel like you can choose that bottle. Oh, exactly. I think there's so many wines in a wine shop. I mean, how do you know? And it's often overwhelming for the staff as well because they're supposed to keep up with all their products and it's almost impossible. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go into a bit of um, categories of wine. We're going to go into varietals. But I have challenged Meg to give me a fun fact every week. So, Meg, what have you got for me? Well, we're going to talk about Pinot this week. So my fun fact for the week is the fact that Pinot from Pinot Noir is a French word for pine cone because the Pinot Noir grape bunches look like little pine cones. That's adorable. I know. Very cute. <laughs> does it actually taste anything like a pine cone? No, thank goodness. Oh, there good. is a wine in the world called Red Cena that does have pine <gasps> sap in oh, it. Um, that stuff is disgusting. Yeah, and that is disgusting. <laughs> but we would never adulterate the beautiful Pinot Noir grape oh. with pine. Oh, good. Well, look, as you mentioned, we are going to talk about Pinot Noir here today. It's something that's really close to our hearts, but, you know, it is growing like 38% year on year. It, it is just getting more and more popular with Australian consumers, especially at restaurants on trade. Um, it's it's a really cool grape. It's on trend. What do you think about Pinot? I think the beauty about Pinot is the fact that it's so versatile as a grape variety. It's something that can take you through all seasons mm. as, as a wine. So you can drink it in summer a little bit chilled, yeah. which is sometimes controversial. Um, <laughs> you can have it in winter. It goes – you can drink it by itself. It goes with food. Yeah. And if you're not really in – to wine or you're just starting your journey all of that tannin and oak and acid that you see in cabernet or shiraz isn't present in pinot Mm. it's a lot gentler in its approach okay so i think it's a good introduction to red wine so what is a great occasion for drinking pinot is this a food wine or does it not have to go with food uh both i think it is a food wine i enjoy it with food particularly if you're spending money you want to take time and savour the wine and enjoy it with food. But equally, if you're spending, you know, sub $20, maybe pop it in the fridge, chill mm. it down and have it by the pool. You know, just That's in, awesome. relax and enjoy it. Yeah. And so who who would be into Pinot? Who would like Pinot? Well, it seems all the hipsters now all the cool are into Pinot. All the cool kids <laughs> are into Pinot. You know, it's one of those grapes that um, – has a lot of mystery around mm. it because it's, you know, from traditional region of Burgundy, which yeah. is probably the most complicated region in the world yeah. um, to understand, and I have no real understanding of it anymore. Um, 
so it appeals to those really esoteric wine drinkers, but because it isn't confronting in its flavours, I yeah. think it, it's got a really broad appeal. Okay, so someone feels like a Pinot, they go into a bottle store, there's a whole wall of them. How do they know what to choose? Two factors. One, obviously, is money. I mean, depends on how much you want to spend. Over $20, I think, as a bare minimum. Sub-20, there are Pinots, that, but they'll be from broader regions, so mm. Victoria, for example. And they are ones that um, will be a bit simpler, a bit more fresh fruit driven. And like I said, you could potentially chill them down. So over $20, but look for region. Okay. It's not really made well in many places in Australia. So we've mm. got Tasmania, Mornington, Yarra, of course, Adelaide Hills, and that really is it. It is made in other places, but in terms of higher volume or re- renowned regions, yeah. that's about it. So you just named like Mornington and Yarra. What about if it just says Victoria on the bottle? Both those places are in Victoria, so does yeah. that mean it'll be just as good? So, no, probably not. If it says Victoria on the label, you're probably paying less. Mm-hmm. So if you're paying less, there's more grapes per hectare. So more grapes per hectare, more yield as we call it, um, means that the plants sort of spread thinner so you don't have a concentration of flavours. It'll still be an enjoyable drop without yeah. a doubt because it's Pinot Noir, but it won't have that concentration and the um, intensity of flavours that you may want. Got you. And so it's interesting to me that you say don't necessarily, like if you're going to buy a Pinot, don't spend under $20. Does this go for every varietal or is it more specific to certain grapes? Pinot is a much more fickle um, grape to grow and it also only really grows well in cool climates. Most of the cool climates, and it all comes back to basic economics, cool climates Mm. have higher land values. So the Yarra Valley is expensive, Mornington Peninsula is Mm. expensive, Adelaide Hill is expensive versus if you're buying land in Swan Hill. Ah. So all of that basic economics plus the climate yes. means that Pinot will generally be more expensive, but you can buy, you know, great Shiraz for under 20, under 15. Gotcha. Okay. It's a much more forgiving grape variety and grows in more climates, which means it can be planted more widely in yeah. the country. And Meg, I um, one of my favourite movies is Sideways. <laughs> I um and it, and it is that's kind of what made me start really thinking about Pinot when I watched it. Is this beautiful quote and he talks about how you know Cabernet just grows anywhere and anyone can make it, but Pinot it takes so much like love and craftsmanship and passion. It's a very beautiful thing it says about Pinot, but is, is that true? Yes, I think Pinot is, it's one of the reasons I got into winemaking because I just loved Pinot so much and really wanted to understand it. But it's also one of the reasons I left the Yarra Valley because I felt that it was so difficult to get right. Yeah. Um, And you don't want to make average wine. You want to actually really nail it. And, you know, this was in the 90s in the Yarra. We were all learning together because it was only being planted for five or six years. Yeah. So... I think it, it is difficult, but again, just enjoy it. Don't overthink it. Okay. Let the winemakers and viticulturists do all the hard work. <laughs> As a consumer, you just buy the bottle and enjoy it. Okay, so that's probably a good point too. Like we've gotten to the point in the bottle store that we, okay, so we've found a region, Tassie or, or Mornington or whatever. What then does – how much do brands come down to it? Well, there's not a lot of big 
branded people in those regions. I think, you mm. know, probably De Bortoli's would be the best known in the Yarra Valley is our brand. Yeah. But I think that's the other thing about um, Pinot Noir that makes it such an exciting great variety that people are making it as a passion project. Yeah. They're not necessarily making it to make money out of it. Yeah. But they just make it because they love it and it's suited to the climate that mm. they're working in. So some of the, I mean, Adelaide Hills, you know, if I said Nepenthe Vineyards or Bird in Hand, uh, Bird in Hand, a lot of people wouldn't know what I'm talking about. So yeah. Brands are more difficult with Pinot Noir. Okay. And uh, now something very dear to our hearts, food. What are we going to eat Pinot with? Well, the classic is duck. We were just talking yesterday about um, Peking duck pancakes. I just Mm. think that is such a great blend. But I would eat Peking duck pancakes until I was sick, so more than happy to have it with duck. Do you know I've never had that? What? I've never had Peking duck pancakes. What is it? Is it just like duck I'm imagining pancake batter around like bits of duck. The the thing is with the duck is the skin is like shards of glass. It is so thin. They pump bicycle, they use a bicycle pump to pump air into it. And it's sliced off and it's just flavoured. You basically put it on a small pancake with some cucumber, spring onion, hoisin sauce and the duck. Yum. All right. Wrap them up and I'll have to take you out and you can bring the pinot. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so when we're looking at all the key regions for Pinot, you mentioned Adelaide Hills, um, Tasmania, even, say, let's throw in Burgundy, which is renowned as the French region for Pinot Noir. How are they all going to differ in their taste? Okay, so Burgundy, um, at around $45, you're going to get a very simple Burgundy. So that's Mm. one thing to consider. Price is going to be a factor. At $45 in Australia, you're going to be doing very, very well. But the general differences are Burgundy tends to be a little bit of a cooler climate. They um, have they tend to use a lot more stalks and stems in it because they want to get the tannin from those stalks and stems. And people can find them quite light and watery. My dad used to call it bug's blood. He thought it was just terrible. <laughs> you know, he was a big Jewish drinker though. Ooh. In the new world or in Australia, we are much more fruit forward. We have those softer tannins. We have the ripeness in the fruit that we don't have to use mm. the stalks and stems. Um, so they are quite different in, in style. We age in new oak. The Burgundians age in new oak. We use very similar sort of 30% new oak. It's just more about fruit forwardness. Okay. Australia tends to have the fruit there first, whereas with Burgundy you really need to kind of look around a little bit. They're more savoury. Got you. And so can you describe just what Pinot tastes like? Red fruits. So Mm. you've got cranberries and strawberries and raspberries, sometimes blueberries, dark cherry, light red cherries. Um, It's all about red fruit. And when we taste it, we look for... Is it sort of the fresh fruit spectrum mm. or does it taste like what I call macerated strawberries? You know, when you yeah. sort of squish strawberries, they have a different smell than what they do when you open up the punnet. Are they cooked strawberries, cooked cherries? So it's all yeah. of that red fruit. And then you'll see around $25 mark, you'll probably see some oak in there. So there's that vanilla and clove and Christmas spice, as I call it. So yeah. cinnamon sort of spice. So you've got all those factors. And then the most important thing for me is the soft velvety tannins and so do you think it's fair to say that the 20 to 25 dollar one is going to be that more fruit forward whereas when you get to say our white labels 38 around that price point 
you're going to expect that bit more perfume. Yeah. Was that and it? Yeah. The other difference is you can expect more concentration at that over $35 mark. Yep. Um, more intensity of flavour mm. and also the ability to age the wine. Mm. We know that our young Pinot, the True Colours, can age because we opened the 2012 just recently. Yep. But it looks it looks different. Yep. But not necessarily much improved after a long period of time, whereas the beauty with a more expensive Pinot yeah. is that it'll become more complexing and it'll it'll improve. It won't just survive, if that makes sense. Yeah. It'll age it does. gracefully. Oh, well that sounds lovely. Well, I think that's everything that we've got to cover about Pinot, but if anyone has questions, please send them through. We're on Instagram at Wine with Megan Mallon, also on Facebook. But before we finish up, uh, we do have a question this week, and it comes from one of my friends, actually. Her name is Missy, and she's got a mate who um, has recently started seeing a girl, and he just lied to her parents on the first time meeting them and said that he was into wine. Now he's invited to a family dinner (laughs) and was asked to bring a bottle. What does he bring, Meg? Um... I don't know what his budget is, but go over thirty dollars. I'd say thirty yeah. to thirty-five. Don't go too high because you could misspend. Yeah, and I think either Shiraz or Pinot Noir would be your friends. I mean, they're kind of the friendliest wines, so Barossa and Shiraz would probably be the best. And you're going to drink well at that price point, or of course Yarra Valley Pinot. Yeah, oh. take a Rob Dole and White Label Pinot. <laughs> Oh, well, I hope that helps him out. I'd really like a follow-up from this guy, actually. <laughs> yeah, and just when the father talks, just nod. Often people who think they know a lot about wine just want to be heard. Mm. It's, there's no point having a discussion. It's not a two-way street with mm. these people, so you just nod and smile. That's very good advice. Yes. All right, well, uh, best of luck to you, mate, and I hope that, that wine goes luck, down well. All right, and any other questions, make sure you send them through. We'll get to them all over promise uh, but that's all for us today enjoy your next glass of wine